Good morning, church. Good morning. Hey, why don't we all stand? Hope you guys are doing well this morning. My name is Michael. I'm a guest worship leader. Uh, second time I've led here. It's great to be back in this community and be able to lead you in singing as we worship God together. Well, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. We sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. So Father, it's good to be in your house surrounded by our family brothers and sisters, in you, your son, Jesus. And we turn the attention of our souls on you this morning. We bless you, we thank you, we sing songs to you. Despite our circumstances, Lord, we look up to you and give you praise and give you thanks. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song.
still we would be like the ancient people of Israel that learned to praise and sing hallelujah despite their circumstances. Despite being able to see the ending of whatever was going on, they still turned their eyes to you, awakened their hearts to you, and sang of your great love. presence 
takes us in now as adopted children. It's a safe place. There's nothing to fear. We can be with our Father right now. We can speak openly with Him. So we sing this next song. I want you guys to just think on the goodness, the invitation of our Father that invites us to be as children and is in His presence where there's peace, where there's love. So right now, we just take a second to pause, take a breath. To find that peace that you offer us, God, and that life that's in you. He's here, he's with us.
knows the depths of our suffering. You're the God that knows the hardest things that we've dealt with in life. Scriptures say deep cries out to deep. As a church, we long to see you face to face, Jesus. We long for that day that all the church can agree on is going to come. You're going to come back. You will put to death once and for all all of our suffering and give us peace. You're here, so I can just ask you. Agree one another. Oh, yeah. Agree one another. Ask yourself this question this week in light of Thanksgiving. What are you most grateful for? Discuss. Yes. <laughs> Good morning. We, uh, we're doing an experiment this morning. We're, we're, we're considering doing sponsored ads in, in, our, in our slides from now on. We try, we, this, this one is sponsored by USA Turkeys. We thought we'd just let that sink in and see if it moves you in any way meaningfully as you anticipate the menu for uh, this Sunday. In the meantime, uh, we want to ask you this question. Following on the question you just had, now that you're used to talking with each other, we'd like you to talk to the entire room. Uh, what does gratitude mean to you? When you think about where you are right now in your life, we don't need an essay, we just need a line or two about, out of, out of the context of your life right now, what is gratitude meaning to you? Give us a sentence or two about where you are in terms of, okay, right now, I won't give you any context, I'll just tell you right now, this is what gratitude means to me, and that will be enough. We'd just love to hear that from anybody who's willing to tell us. We'd like to have a whole cross-section of the room, really. Um, if you're here for the first time, it's okay for you to speak. If you're a founding member, uh, we want you to speak. If you are 10 years old or 90 years old, we want you to feel free to say, well, you know, here's what gratitude means to me. So Ryan is our official mic man. He will hold it up to your, really close to your mouth so you can speak. If you grab it, we're going to have an incident. We're going <laughs> to remove your passes if you do grab it. Uh, um, uh, so... Ryan is the man, so we're just, he's going to walk through the room. So anybody here want to tell us what gratitude means to you right now at this point in your life? Start here in the front, Ryan, so we don't have to have you doing aerobics. Gratitude to me means peace and joy. Because if you're, happy, if you're grateful, you can't be upset or worried or unhappy. So for you right now, the context of your life, where, 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 what does gratitude mean to you? Uh, gratitude for me right now in my life is health, good health. And uh, God helps you get there. Fantastic. 
Can shoot a hand up so he can see you. Okay. The gratitude to me this time is is this body of Christ. It's an amazing group of people. Nice. I'd like to pile on on that idea. I'm just thrilled with the excitement and the energy in this church because we've gone through some transitions. And uh, I don't know how you all feel, but this is really an exciting. The people, the many people that are here, the new conversations we're having on the patio. Um, God bless all of you. This is a really exciting passage in our church. Gratitude means to me is that having a thankful manner so you can give thanks. Don't be shy. Let's uh, see a hand and tell us what gratitude means to you. What are you grateful for right now in your life? That in the midst of any circumstances, God gives us time to reflect on all of the blessings. And I give him gratitude for being able to think on all the blessings in the midst of trial. Up here. Uh, gratitude for me right now is getting the opportunity to go to college. I have many things that I'm grateful for, but my gratitude is to my church family. They mean so much to us. Thank you. Hands up. We'd love to hear from you. Um, gratitude to me in light of the fires is that we have eternal treasures here that can't be taken away. Gratitude for me is the the men in my fellowship on a Tuesday night, the, the times that we've been meeting, the 11 years that we've been existing as men in fellowship. Behind you, Ryan, right there. <laughs> I'm thankful for the strength and the courage to fight cancer and not let it win. Gratitude for me means thanking God for everything he had made for me. Fantastic. We have time for a couple more. Don't be shy. Raise your hand if you want to say a word of gratitude, what it means to you, where you are as it relates to gratitude. Uh, realizing it's not just a job going and teaching, but I have the opportunity to teach middle schoolers. And gratitude to me means we deserve, uh, we do not deserve anything. So with this attitude, actually, we can appreciate everything, including the midterm exam I just had yesterday. So. Anybody else? Up here in the front? Ryan, this counts as a workout for sure. Oh, it's definitely, yeah. Yeah. Gratitude for us right now is having two new babies in the family and helping keep us young. Yes, yes, yes. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing. By the way, if you haven't met Ryan, uh, Sylvia, he is our new youth pastor. So thank you, Ryan. So there we are. We're going to be talking about gratitude and especially giving uh, this is Thanksgiving week. It makes a lot of sense. And we have just armed you. And, and, and prepped you for whatever you do on Thanksgiving. Wherever you are on Thanksgiving, uh, if somebody doesn't ask this question, feel free uh, to just pop up and say, you know, I, I've been thinking about it. Uh, what does gratitude mean to you? And start with an example. Give from you. You know, here's what gratitude means to me. I've been thinking about it. If you're with people who understand what it means to know Jesus, you can, you can talk about what Jesus and gratitude mean to you. Uh, if they're not people of faith, you can simply talk about gratitude and, and why you're grateful for whatever you are grateful. And I guarantee it will change the tone, the temperature of the room. It'll elevate whatever is going on in that room, possibly even the turkey or ham, whatever you're eating on uh, Thanksgiving. So uh, let me just give you a context before we see what uh, the Word of God says about this. Uh, our church has incorporated gratitude into its, its DNA. Uh, we have incorporated gratitude into our DNA as a church. Without gratitude, you will not understand this church. Without gratitude, this church cannot thrive and grow. It cannot fulfill its mission. It cannot uh, glorify God and bless people. 
And so we've, we've incorporated gratitude into our vision frame. Uh, the vision frame is simply a picture that emerges as we say, well, what's our mission? Uh, helping everyday people walk with Christ every day. What are our values? We've walked through those in a, in a sermon series already. What are the outcomes of those values? What are the strategies that support uh, those values and outcomes, et cetera? And, and out of that, uh, if, you, if you have a chance to look at our vision frame, and we just did this with some of the folks last week who were uh, joining the church, a, a vision emerges of this extended um, multi-generational, intergenerational family that at every level we want people to experience and express gratitude. And so we've, we've framed it, we've, we've included it in the vision frame as a value, as an outcome, and as a strategy. So gratitude as a value is simply this, live generously. If somebody says, hey, what's one of your core values? You say, it's to live generously. Well, what do you mean by that? And then you can go down a little lower. You can say, well, here's the outcome I'm going for, and here's what I do because of that value. I manage my life to bless others. Why? You manage your life to bless others? That's interesting. How does that work? Well, it's my time, my talent, my treasure. But really, my, my ongoing strategy for implementing my value to, be, to live generously and to manage my life to bless others is this. I'm learning how to receive and how to give. That's an ongoing practical strategy. What do I need to receive from Jesus? Uh, as Dennis said, from my brothers or sisters in Christ in a life group. What do I need to receive uh, by way of some, some critical feedback or some very positive, encouraging, confirming feedback? What do I need to receive by way of the word of God? What do I need to receive by way of wise counsel, some guidance in my life? You see the power of this? That's an ongoing strategy. So if somebody is trying to offer you something and instead of saying, I'm too proud, or I'm, uh, I'm too embarrassed to say, oh my gosh, this is one of my strategies. Yeah, what do you want to give me, Rick? <laughs> you know, what can I give you, Linda? And, and are you willing to receive it? And so by receiving and giving, and then saying as you go through the, your, your day and your week and your month and your year, one of your ongoing strategies, that is one of the things you're aware of and looking out for chances to do, to practice what it means to live generously and to manage your life to bless others, you're, you're always saying, what can I give in this situation? Sometimes you'll be in a situation where wait, the best thing you can give is simply to listen intently. And you know how that, you know, Jeff's a good listener. You know, and Jeff looks at you and he's, he's a super animated guy, but when he's, you're talking, he listens to you and you can see him processing it. Sometimes his head's going, yes, no, it doesn't do that. Um, a quizzical look, really? But he listens, and sometimes listening is a powerful gift we give. Sometimes it's, it's material substance. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a word of counsel, a word of caution. Sometimes it's a, a gentle rebuke. You know what? This is not looking good in your life. I got to tell you that. Uh, in any case, uh, think about that. In our DNA, there's a value, an outcome, and a strategy to live generously, to manage our lives, to bless others, and to learn how to give and receive. That's a powerful, powerful part of one's DNA. Why? Because DNA means it shapes everything in us. It affects our overall health. I was in the airport a couple weeks ago, and who did I see? Francis Collins. Uh, the guy who mapped the human genome. And he's this tall guy, and I just watched a, a presentation he does. So I, I knew I was looking at Francis Collins. Nobody was saying anything to him. I just thought it was funny, because I was in the TSA line. And who wants to be in a TSA line? And, and, and so I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking, isn't that interesting? A guy who is probably uh, one of the greatest scientists of the day is standing there anonymously, and yet he's massively blessed us. He, many years ago, he, just, he determined to live generously, to manage his life, to bless others, and to learn how to give and receive. The talk I'd just been watching was the fact that this year they, they solved sickle cell anemia. They applied their mapping of the human genome and, 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 and the way to use a person's DNA to, to reverse a disease, and they accomplished that amazing feat. Now, he said this is a simple one. Many other applications are much more complex. But, but isn't that amazing that for an entire population of people in the United States, African-Americans specifically, uh, this devastating disease has been now addressed because of a DNA issue. Do you see the power of this being in our church's DNA and as we adopt it into our individual personal DNA? Amazing. And so, so let me give you seven perspectives of Steve <laughs> on practical practicing gratitude as, again, a context for what we want to say going forward. And these are progressive. You'll see what I mean. Gratitude is our response to God's goodness. Let's understand that gratitude and goodness are inextricably linked. Gratitude is always a response to goodness. So the first observation is gratitude is our response to God's goodness. Therefore, gratitude is a process of transformation. As I move toward the Lord who is 
infinitely good. From the fullness of his grace, he's blessed us with every blessing. Uh, there's a process of transformation that starts to shape me. That leads to gratitude as a virtue, not just a sentiment. A sentiment is a fleeting feeling. Oh, that's nice, great. A virtue says, this has to become a behavior in me. So as we're transformed by Christ, a virtue starts to emerge. I can't imagine living if I'm not living generously. And even if that means some suffering and some sacrifice. Which leads to this, an understanding that gratitude is a call to action. Serve, give. Be indiscriminate. Figure out any way you can give, any way you can serve. Don't limit it to one thing or another. That leads us to this understanding that gratitude is a commitment to generosity. It's a way of life. Which leads us to this understanding, a deep understanding that gratitude is expressed in blessing others. It's not just aggrandizing ourselves. I'm such a giver. <laughs> Anytime you hear somebody say, if you ask them, hey, what's your greatest weakness? Oh, I'm just too much of a giver. <laughs> Be sure you have your hand on your wallet, back out of the room, get away from that person. They're a taker imitating what they think a giver sounds like. This sets us up then ultimately to, to understand this, that gratitude is a portrait revealing your soul. Uh, if you ever read that powerful, penetrating uh, story by Oscar Wilde, a picture of Dorian Gray. Uh, if, if you're an art aficionado, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, because the, the, it's an essay, it's a story, but, but the, the art it evokes is so powerful. This guy who's living this dissolute life, this horrible life, uh, through some kind of funky things, he has the capacity to, to not reflect in his being all the rotten, bad things he's doing. But he sees in the portrait of himself this dissipation having its impact and the wretchedness that starts to, to reshape the portrait. And it's hideous what he sees. See, the beautiful thing about gratitude, it reveals your soul. This is why we love the story about the Grinch. We see his heart, it was, it was many sizes too small. His soul really was many sizes too small. And you see the transformation. That's why we love um, uh, the Christmas Carol. That's why we love all those films, you know, any of those films that, that at the end of the day there's been a transformation where a person's soul is set free. Okay, so having said that, where does this come from? This is not just a human idea. This is not just a feel-good, uh, humanistic thing. This is God's plan for humanity. We see it in Genesis 12, too. He raises up a man named Abram, who later becomes Abraham. And he says this to him. This is God's promise. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. If you want to sum up the entire Bible, it's right here. You are blessed to be a blessing. <coughs> Genesis 12, 2. Just think, 1, 2, 2. Genesis 12, 2 summarizes the Bible. Now, there's behaviors that come out of that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. Many other things flow from that. But I am blessing you so that you can be a blessing. How's that going for you? This is the biblical basis for gratitude. And so why uh, do we practice gratitude? Because God is good. We raise up our hands, we say, God, you are so good. I want to practice gratitude. Teach me. When? Now. <laughs> Do not postpone gratitude, because all you see is a diminution of your soul, right? Or diminution of your soul. The reduction of your soul. The longer you put this off, the, more, the less of you you are. We do it now. Why not? Why not now? I, I was, I was uh, uh, coming in for a meeting uh, this week. I'm, I get out of my car, and I see Isla Brady. Some of you know Isla Brady. This is a vivacious lady in our church. And uh, she was part of the, the Project Christmas Child, helping to receive the boxes and get that thing organized in the surf shack. And I said, Isla, I think it's so fantastic. Every time I turn, you're doing something to bless people. And what, her immediate response was, why not? <laughs> why not? I thought, oh my gosh, that's the theme of the morning. Why not? Why wouldn't I want to uh, learn to give and receive? Rearrange my life to bless people and learn how to live generously, right? And so we see the psalmist saying it this way, uh, a, a very powerful present uh, moment awareness of the psalmist that we see later. This, this passage is quoted in the New Testament. The psalmist, David says, I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Does that sound familiar to you? This is, this is what was confirmed about Jesus. Oh my gosh. He's the stone that the builders rejected, but he's the very cornerstone, not only of creation, but of redemption. 
and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Uh, one of my favorite Hebrew phrases is this, Hayom Asa Adonai. Today is a day that the Lord has made. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. I'm blessed to be a blessing today. And the Lord is my salvation today. He accepts me where I am. We can spend all kinds of time criticizing one another about our lifestyles, our choices, our priorities. The fact is he loves you today, he accepts you today, and that's where we start, that's how we continue. And so rather than picking each other apart in terms of what we don't like about each other, we say, how's it going for you moving closer to Jesus today? How's it going for you walking with Jesus today? Are you trusting him more today to open up more of you to him to say, Lord, I want to learn how to reflect you in my life. I want your priorities for me. I want you to shape me. And so gratitude is our joyful, faithful response to God's goodness and grace given us in Jesus. You, you get that? It's not our awesomeness coming out. It's our joyful and faithful response to God's goodness and grace given us in Jesus, through whom everything was created. We see in the Bible that all things were created through Christ and for Christ. You might not believe that, but that's what the Bible proclaims. And so it's through Jesus that we are redeemed and renewed. Redeemed means we're transformed from people who have this gaping wound that takes us out of the game to being put together again by Jesus through his Holy Spirit, being renewed daily. And so what's the alternative to that? It's ingratitude. Ingratitude reveals our wounded humanity. Uh, Matthew 18 as a, uh, recounts a conversation that, that Jesus has with his disciples, specifically Peter, and, and Peter's saying, hey, how much good do I have to do? What's the limit? You know, basically, he puts it in terms, in terms of forgiveness. Because Jesus has just been talking about how to confront somebody about something that you see is problematic, a sin. And, 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 and be, resolve that. So Peter says, hey, you know, what about this? How many times do I have to, re, to, I have to forgive those people who have hurt me, wounded me, reminded me of the wound that I possess because of my fallen human nature? And, and Peter goes big. He picks a perfect number. He thought, we'd just nail it down. Seven? Seven times? And Jesus' response is basically, what? Are you kidding me? Seven? That's it? No, try 70 times seven. You want a perfect number? How about infinity? 70 times seven. That's how many times you should forgive. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who calls his servants to account. And he's, he's going through the accounts of his servants. And it's revealed that one of the servants owes him... Um, the equivalent of 200,000 lives of income. It's a ridiculous number, 10,000 talents. One talent uh, was about 20 years of, of wages for a common laborer. So this guy was a pretty high up servant because obviously he's been loaned a lot of money or he has extorted a lot of money. And the king becomes aware of this and says, oh, that's it, uh, I'd like you to pay right now. And the guy says, I, I can. Please, you know, have mercy on me. I'll, uh, uh, I'll pay you back everything. The king is, is deciding whether or not he's going to put the guy's family out uh, for purchase as slaves. And he says, okay, fine, I'll forgive you. The guy turns around immediately, walks out, sees another servant, obviously much lower uh, on the, on the uh, uh, food chain servant, who owes him three months, 100 denarius. One denarius was a laborer's one-day wage. He owed him about three months worth of income, and he goes, hey, man, pay me back now. The guy says exactly what the guy just said previously to the, to the king. Have mercy on me. Look, I'll, I'll pay you back everything. No, you're going to jail right now. Well, of course, the other servants see this. They march back into the king, give him every explicit detail about the conversation. The king calls the other fellow back in and says, you know what? What do you understand about this? Look at what I forgave you. Couldn't you show mercy to this guy? And of course, what he did is he made that guy pay back everything, which means he could never pay him back. It was a horrible story, but a powerful story about ingratitude. The other story, Luke 17, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. They're moving from the northern area called Galilee into uh, the area between Galilee, the north of Israel, and, and the south where Jerusalem is. It's called Samaria. And there's a long history of that area. It's problematic. But if you're a Jew and, and in that day and age and you said Samaria, they go, oh, I'd walk around it. I'm not walking through it. Or a Samaritan would be, uh, don't go there. That's why the story say the good Samaritan, the punchline is the least expected guy is a hero. 
How about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman that Jesus talked to? So Samaria is this buzzword, uh, oh no kind of a word for the Jews. And so Jesus is walking, uh, he's on the border of Galilee and Samaria, presumably walking through Samaria to get to Jerusalem the fastest way. And 10 guys yell out to him, hey, help us. Obviously they're lepers. They're walking around together. All lepers were excluded from any normal society. They were sequestered in their own communities. And it didn't matter who you were, if you had leprosy, you were out. It turns out that nine of them are Jews, one of them is a Samaritan. And it says in, in Luke 17 that Jesus stopped and looked at them. He, he just didn't acknowledge them. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked at them. It says he, he saw them, like he looked at them intently. He said, go and show yourselves to the priest. You had to show yourself to the priest to prove that you were healed. Sometimes people were healed uh, from leprosy, usually not. And it could have been a fool's errand. But somehow they believed him the way he looked at them. And as they were on their way to show the priest, hopefully something had happened, one of them realized, oh my gosh, it had happened. I've been healed. He doesn't continue with the other guys. He immediately runs back to Jesus, praising and glorifying God, drops to his knees in front of Jesus, and thanks him. And Jesus said, wow, where's the other nine? Weren't there ten of you? And Jesus makes a side comment. Wow, it's the Samaritan that came back. Making the point that, you know, if you're part of Israel, he's, he's, he's there to talk to Israel first and foremost. If, if the Samaritan gets it, why don't the rest of you get what gratitude looks like? Very powerful reversals, confrontation of ingratitude as something that will suck the life out of us and disrupt all, all efforts of having a true, authentic community. So gratitude comes, uh, gratitude comes alive in us as we learn how to live. As we really learn how to live in the way that we've been set free to live by Jesus, gratitude becomes one of those important uh, values that we incorporate. And it's, it's, it's this upward spiral of righteousness because the more we learn how to live, the more we express and experience gratitude. The more we experience and express gratitude, the more profound we live. So gratitude thrives on honesty and humility. We've been talking a lot about that the last few weeks. Honesty and humility, why does it thrive on that? Because it asks for what we need. We say, we say, what do I need? And we're humble enough and honest enough to say, you know what? I have no idea how to be gratitude. I was talking to a guy. He goes, you know, I, he, he's a very wealthy guy. And he said, I just love being a big shot giver. And I love in any setting, whether it's an auction for a school or another organization or even in my church. I love saying, yeah, I'm going to give big. And he goes, I love giving big. I just don't let it go over the money. <laughs> and he forgets. Oh, I forgot. And, and, and he makes people claw back and get back into him. He's, he's, he's surrounded by a phalanx of staff that it's hard to get to the guy. And, and so people say, gosh, he promised to give us all this money, and, and he doesn't. And he will say, he said to me many times in conversations, I just don't do that very well. He needs to ask for help. But he's a bit too proud to ask for help. Because in his mind, I'm a big giver. I don't need any help. Where do you need help, support, advice, and guidance in becoming a person of gratitude? This is what professional counselors do every day. People who are wrapped around all kinds of big issues in their life have, have somehow lost track of gratitude because everything is a painful wound and reminder of the hurt they have and are experiencing. So we need help, support, advice, guidance. Where do you right now need to be honest and humble enough to ask somebody in your life group, a counselor, a dear friend, somebody you trust, I'm stuck. I believe it, I know up here it's right, I just can't get there. And they might gently start to say, well, what do you spend your money on? What do you spend your time on? Not to, just to, not to make you squirm, but it might make you squirm because you say, well, I need these things. Oh, really, do you? If the church in America became, the church in America is amazingly uh, generous in a certain context. Meaning the context is we're more generous than the other people who are not very generous. And, and, and all these studies have been done. If, if the several hundred thousand churches in America were filled with people who said, I'm going to rearrange my life to, be, to practice gratitude by expressing generosity, time, talent, treasure, network, whatever way I can do it, anywhere I go, it would be a full-time job for the churches to say, we need to hire somebody to give away all this stuff. Because so many people want to serve and want to give, and we just think, oh my gosh. 
So what happens when we start asking for help? We stop asking what's in it for me. We start asking what's in me. What's in me for him or what's not in me for him? Do you live, as, uh, do you live your life as a series of transactions or as an everyday opportunity to bless others? Sometimes we, we confuse reciprocity with gratitude. And you might be thinking, why do you keep talking about giving when gratitude is about saying thank you? This is how we say thank you. By saying, how can I bless in turn? And reciprocity is a, a really bad version of gratitude. Because it's based on what's in it for me, what's the value of what you're going to give me in exchange for what I give you. And you have to give me what you give me first. And then if it's good enough, I might give it to you. This is why if you've ever been to a potluck, uh, and, and uh, Janet and I have done a zillion potlucks, and after all, we said, just forget doing potlucks. I'm so tired of somebody bringing a, 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 a bag of, of uncooked uh, rolls or, or the, the lonely bag of potato chips. I'm like, you know what? It's too embarrassing for you and for me for you to come and bring um, this really horrible stuff. If you, if, you don't, if you can't afford it, just say, I can't afford it. Just come. We don't care. When people game a potluck, You've, you've seen their soul. <laughs> when you are invited to a potluck, I'm telling you right now, which wine are you going to bring? <laughs> what version of dessert are you going to bring? How much effort will you put into it? And if you say, I cannot cook, tell the, the host or hostess, I cannot cook. Can I do all the dishes? I don't know. You know, come up with a strategy. Because if you're living your life as a series of transactions, you are shrinking your soul every time you do one of those transactions. And after a while, people will say, you know, it's too much effort to deal with you. So gratitude asks, how can I bless my family, my church, my friends, my neighbor, my colleagues, my community? I don't have two nickels rubbed together, but how can I bless them? And so you get creative. If you always want to be the big shot, be the, big, the best bottle of wine or the biggest this, don't do that. If you're bringing it because you love it and you have it, bring it. But if you're doing it internally because you're trying to show off, or get away with something. Nobody knows but you, and you're the one who's paying the price for that. So better to say, what is the most practical way I can bless my family? That's why every four-year-old at Thanksgiving is blessing their family by doing nothing but being there. Every one-year-old is blessing the family because, oh my gosh, we're so glad he or she is here. So the person who can't, can hardly see across the room anymore, and they're so old, and, and, and they're afraid to even walk because they're gonna fall down. Their presence is what they bring to the party, right? So we have to start rethinking about what, what does it mean for me to bless the people around me, not to impress them or to get something from them, but to simply be present to them in a way that they would say, I thank God for you. Ingratitude always asks, what can I get? What can my family do for me? What can my church do for me? What can my friends do for me? What can my country do for me? What can my colleagues do for me? This is a different thing than saying, I have a need and telling your need. That's an entirely different thing. If you have a need, I need our family to resolve some issues. Could we work on that? That's a different thing. But when you are simply gaming your family, what can my family do for me? That's why everybody I know who has a, a, a lot of money at some point gathers their children and says, it's going to be gone. So don't count on this as being your retirement. Big question uh, for the kid. What do you mean? Because I don't want to cripple you by, by robbing you of the opportunity to start with nothing like I did. I've given you a good education, a good foundation. I'll stake you this. I'll help you do that. But ultimately, it's you. This is not a harsh thing. It's a way of saying, you know what? I want to set you up versus to shut you down. Because then I, have, I can't tell you how many trust fund thinking babies I've met in my life who have already spent all the money their parents are going to leave them. Uh, and their parents are still living. Gratitude makes churches stronger, makes marriages stronger, makes families stronger. Makes friendships stronger, community stronger. It makes everything stronger. Let me finish with this. In 1863, Abraham Lincoln made this proclamation. He made the proclamation. The Senate enthusiastically received it, supported it, and then they made an event out of it. So this is how powerful it was. It was a powerful movement in Americans, uh, America's history. And, and you know the era. 1863, we're talking about one of the most critical crisis moments in our nation. The, the nation was very, believe it or not, very, very wealthy on the backs of other people. And so Lincoln said this, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. 
We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. That was about to change. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. Can you imagine that being proclaimed now uh, in Washington, D.C.? We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. Does that not give you goosebumps and chills hearing those words? It was, a, it was a word of authentic rebuke, a call to accountability, a wake-up call, and a word of hope. There's still hope for us, folks. We can turn to the Lord. We can humble ourselves before him. Congress was so moved by this. Uh, the Senate, like I said, led, led the charge, and the, all of Congress supported this. So in April uh, of 1863, uh, they called a national day of prayer, calling the nation to pray and turn toward God. Uh, many people did, many people didn't. And, and, and as they say, the rest is history. So we practice gratitude. Why? Because I belong to God. You belong to God. We start practicing because God is good. And he motivates us to be attracted to that goodness. But very quickly realize, wait a minute. He is good and I belong to him. So my motivation for learning and practicing gratitude, our collective motivation as the people of God, is to bless our community. Why? Because we, we belong to God. And that's what people who belong to God do. God said to Jeremiah, you might feel like, and you are, a captive in the land. You're a minority. You're not calling the shots. But while you're there in Babylon, plant gardens, build homes, bless the city. The city that is hostile to you, the country that has enslaved you, uh, the views, the gods they worship that are uh, reprehensible to you, the practices that offend you, and guess what? Bless them anyway. Why? Because you belong to God. I don't know where you are in your relationship with the living God. He is so good, I hope you belong to him. You can belong to him by saying, Lord, I believe in you. I want to receive you. I want to accept you. I want to uh, learn to walk with you, live with you. I want to learn how to receive and give. I want to rearrange my life to experience the incredible life that you alone can bring. And I'm going to be promiscuous in the way that I distribute that. I, I, wherever I see people, I'm not going to ask and quiz them about what they believe and what they do and how they do it and why they do it. I'm not going to ask for a bunch of qualifiers. I'm just going to say, what do you need and what can I do to help you? Do you think that would be transformational in your life? I, yeah, yeah, no kidding. It would be transformational in the lives of people you touch. Yeah, but you and I don't agree the same things. You don't like my lifestyle. You don't like this. You don't agree with this. You, you voted that. Right, right. All true. But I care about you because I belong to God. And I want to do everything I can to bless you. Lord, I pray that as you have blessed us, we can learn to bless others in your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Steve. As we close our service, I want to draw our attention to our bulletins. You have your bulletins? We, in the front cover there, we have our prayer connection card. This is... This is what I'm grateful for, is the, the privilege and opportunity to pray over all the cards with the staff every week. I'm grateful for uh, staff that's friends and a congregation that's family, and we just get to pray together. And what, a, what an honor and privilege that is. So we're going to take about 15 seconds. There's a pen in the seat back in front of you. If you want to pull that out, we're going to take about 10 to 15 seconds. Just throw your name down there. If you have a prayer, if you want us to pray for your Thanksgiving, if you want us to pray for what you're grateful for, if you want us to pray as you work through gratitude, Mark that down. Just take a quick 15 seconds.
And the great thing about these, if you fold them back and forth, they tear off. If everybody has theirs, the ushers will be coming by in just a moment to pick those up. And um, first, what a great worship of the Lord this morning through music. Can we give Michael a hand? Uh, Michael is a Christian music artist. You can actually, he's been on Air One, done some interviews. He does his, his own music. Uh, but being in music in the in new millennia is very difficult. So Michael's going to be out in the, at the table, at the welcome table, and he's got a, a site set up. If you want to find out more about his music or if you want to buy some music or you want to just bless him, uh, he's going to be out there right after the service. And also today is our alternative gift market. How many people are excited for that? Yeah. yeah. If you flip to the back part of your bulletin, which you've torn off because you filled out the connection cards, which I'm grateful for, you'll see a list of the vendors. I highly encourage you. There's little check boxes there. Go ahead and check those off. Go around and find out what all those organizations are doing because it's an opportunity for you to see what they're doing and how they're blessing the world locally and globally, but it's also an opportunity for you just to meet another Christian brother and sister and offer them prayer. Also, save the date. Save the date. This is it. Christmas Eve at LJCC. So December 24th, we're going to have two services right here in this building, 4.30 and 6 p.m. So save the date. Put it, pull out your phones right now. Throw that in there so you'll know. We'll be talking more about Christmas Eve as we go around. But this is going to bring us to a time of tithes and offering as the ushers come forward. It's just, it's just an opportunity for us just to to bless those because we've been so blessed. When we look around it, it's like being grateful is a hard thing to do. Showing gratitude is a hard thing to do, but Jesus did that for us on the cross. So as we are blessed, we want to bless others. So let's go to a time of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for this family, God. Thank you for the, the smallest children to the wisest adults, God. Thank you that you love each and every one of us today. That we don't have to wait till tomorrow, next month, 10 years from now. That your love for us begins today. I pray that we would feel that love and it would transform in our hearts into a message of gratitude. And that gratitude and that love would unite us together as a body of Christ, a diverse, multi-generational body of Christ. And that as people look in, that they would see you shining through us. And our hearts would begin to be transformed and our world would begin to be transformed into a place that is full of your love. Pray today, God, that we would be people who are unafraid to walk out and show that gratitude that it wouldn't just be a word that rests on our lips, but it would be an action that exists in our hands, with our families, with our friends, with our churches, in our schools and in our homes. That we would be a people of gratitude who are willing to walk out in faith. God, we thank you. We love you. And we're grateful for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
we live in. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for so many things. And as we articulate that this week, uh, as we have opportunities to take a quiet moment and make a list, and as we have an opportunity and take the opportunity to pick up the phone or email or text or however you communicate, 
hopefully face to face, let people know how grateful you are for them and how you thank God for them and how grateful you are to God for them being in your life. Uh, this might be spoken in the face of things not yet being totally resolved or made right, but it's who you are because you belong to him. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us all, giving his, us his grace, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.